the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Best financial partner. This is Business 1440. KYCR. Golden Valley. A service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. Remain vigilant. That's President Trump's advice regarding the coronavirus over this long holiday weekend. Because COVID-19 cases increased following the Memorial Day and Fourth of July holidays, the president is telling people to avoid large crowds this weekend, keep a social distance, and maintain good hygiene. We need everybody to be careful, to apply common sense, and do all of the things that we've told you to do. Meanwhile, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, says several Midwestern states that have seen jumps in coronavirus caseloads should be especially vigilant during the holiday weekend. States including North and South Dakota, Arkansas, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, and Missouri. Greg Clugston, Washington. Police had to use tear gas on protesters last evening in Rochester, New York. The unrest following information about the suffocation death of a man in police custody. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we recognize that this school year was a little different for you, with families learning how to work and learn from home together. We also recognize that this won't last forever. As you look ahead to the fall and a new chapter in your child's education, TwinCitiesTuitions.com will proudly be here to help with 50% off your student's first year at a brand new school. To see a full list of our partnering schools or for more information, visit TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Hi, this is Lee. And this is Matt from the Kingdom Builders. About 22 years ago, I remember doing my father's roof in Bloomington after a huge hailstorm had gone through. And now he just had me come out and take a look at his roof because he wants to make sure it's okay. 22 years old now. Most roofs in that time era were good for about 20, 25, maybe 30 years. So if you're looking to get an honest assessment on whether your 22-year-old roof is still good, give us a call. Yeah, Lee, I remember that storm, too. And as I drive around Burnsville, uh, Bloomington, the South Metro, I see all of these roofs that were replaced back in 1998. And it may be time for an assessment for us to come out and let you know if you have a year or three left or if now is a good time to get those shingles replaced. For an honest assessment on your roof or gutters, give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up on the web at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. Think you can't afford life insurance? Think again. You might be surprised at how affordable it can be. 80% of Americans overestimate the cost of life insurance. Maybe it's time to swap a few small expenses for some big peace of mind. Life insurance can protect what matters most, and it's the right thing to do. Let's talk today. For details, contact Pamela McCarthy, agent at the Pam McCarthy Agency, Inc. Call 651-460-3333. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53783. The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. I'm excited. This economy is on fire. It's the King Banyan Show. Let me emphasize that correlation is not causation. As an educator and former legislator, Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. Unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Please bring on the recession. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Now, here's King Banyan. Welcome back. Well, that inflation getting higher piece we'll talk about in a bit. As we got to talk about uh, Jay Powell at some point. But I can't stop giving you the, the data here. It's Job Saturday. We've been doing the jobs report all last hour. I'm going to get away from the report in particular, although there's, there's a couple pieces to it that you should probably pay attention to. One, both the ADP number that came out on, uh, on Wednesday, and, um, uh, which was 428,000, um, which was uh, below forecast, and then the unemployment insurance claims data 
came out would have said something to the effect of, gosh, you know, maybe the maybe the economy's stalling out. The one point four million, even after or if you want to take out the census jobs, okay, call it one point one or one point one six. What one point two. Fine, whatever. Whatever you decide to call that figure. Um the net the net of it is it was stronger a number than the Wednesday or Thursday pieces that come out. But pay attention because they've changed the jobless claims data because of how difficult it's been to work with during the pandemic. They made a very technical change in how they did seasonal adjustments. And I actually, I almost never look at the weekly figures and look at seasonal adjustments of weekly data because, frankly, to me, most of the weekly numbers are noise. But I can see why they did it because I know I've been in this I've, I've been in this situation myself. They use an old-fashioned method of doing seasonal adjustments um, where you're using percentage, you're, you're, you're adding or multi, you're adding or subtracting by a percentage in order to pick up the seasonal pattern. Okay. So normally it's 2% higher. So we're going to adjust the number down 2% or normally it's 1% lower in the average August. So we're going to bump the, we're going to put the number up by 1% or something like that. I mean, I'm oversimplifying, but that's kind of what they do. They switched from using a multiplicative factor to using an additive factor. That's what they did. And the reason for doing that was when you're using such big figures and such a higher number for seasonal adjustments, uh, using such higher numbers as your baseline during the pandemic for unemployment insurance claims, the multiplication amplifies week-to-week changes, which are largely noise. So using the additive factors instead was actually going to reduce the fluctuations in the data. For some reason, people got themselves bent around the axle on this thing, and and I, I, I when I first saw it, it's like, yeah, whatever. And then, and then I see, you know, commentators tweeting away oh well you know bureau of labor department of labor is messing around with this data maybe they're trying to help the president by making things look better than they are but went and looked like that's not what they're doing it's there are times where the adjustments you make to make the data comparable from month to month which is what season or quarter to quarter that's what seasonal adjustment is sometimes the techniques you use to do that are meant for small for numbers that change a small amount from month to month that when the change is large the seasonal adjustment distorts what actually happened and i actually credit department of labor for saying you know what this is making a mess of our statistics and we're actually going to go ahead and fix it there have been cases where we've wanted them to do that with the jobs report and they haven't they knew that they were getting wrong responses in the household survey where people were saying that they were working, but they were working. They were classified as working, but on, but temporarily not at work. When in fact they were supposed to be classified as, as temporary layoff. But the, but the employer instead said, well, we're going to keep paying you, but you stay home. And BLS wants to count that as a layoff. But instead, the survey comes back and says, well, they're actually, they're employed. They're just not working at this particular moment. So that, that, and they didn't adjust for that. Anyway, um, I thought it was weird that people got themselves worked up about this. Um, Here's the important part from that. Continuing claims continues to fall so that you're now down at 13 and a quarter from 14.49 million. Now, the bad part of that news is is uh, the if if you add up all the people collecting benefits, not just continuing claims on unemployment insurance, but the pandemic un- unemployment insistence, uh, which actually went up last week, there are 29 million people collecting benefits. 
right now. Wait, wait, what? I thought unemployment insurance ended. Well, it did, but they're still getting benefits. They're still getting something. There are 29 million people out there like that. And if you added them to the number of people employed, the 29 million to the number of people employed, you'd end up with an unemployment rate around 18% and a labor force of about 161 million workers, according to Peter Buckvar. Um, and instead, from the book report, and if you, um, and, and that number is very different, but understand pandemic unemployment assistance is going to gig workers and it gives us a feel for the size of that gig economy. Because right. that number ends up posting up an extra six to seven million workers who were outside of the labor force count because they were working in the gig economy and they didn't actually even count themselves during the household survey as as people being employed they said well i'm not i'm not in the labor force well you are but you're driving a car or you're delivering groceries or you're doing something else out there in the gig economy instead besides that the data were a little bit a little bit more mixed auto sale numbers were pretty good they came in at 15 and okay auto sales in august came in at 15.2 million up from 14 and a half million in july but to give you some perspective at one point last year those numbers were at 17 and a half million so car sales are still down year over year by a pretty significant piece um the i the uh ism services index number fell below the estimate just just barely missed the estimate, but was down from July. The manufacturing piece was up. Mortgage applications down for the third straight week. Purchases down just a little bit, but they're up 28% year over year. Again, i go back to something I said in the first hour of the King Banyan Show here on 1440. The demand for things that we consume at home, our house, our food, our electricity and heat, um, our entertainment at home, all those things are going up by leaps and bounds. Those have trickle-on effects. And to me, the biggest one is, in fact, in the construction industry. I'm still seeing pretty good numbers for building permits here in central Minnesota, despite, despite the pandemic, because I believe that there's more demand for housing right now, and what people are going to buy is the step-up home because now they're going to be home more. So you're going to see a lot of houses get sold in the starter market, and there's going to be heavy demand for that second home or that third home. Or if you're at my stage of life, maybe it's time to sell the house that you had your kids grow up in and get the house that's meant for just you and your spouse. That's some of that's going to happen, and that's all assisted by interest rates that are quite quite low. Yeah, um, and my wife and I, in fact, are having that conversation. Do we keep this house and maybe make some changes to it so that it fits your her and my lifestyle, or do we go find another house? We've been in that house for twenty four years, and then. I can be sentimentally attached to things, but not like not like my wife, uh, who I think we just have a really hard time leaving the neighborhood. So I kind of think we're going to end up we're gonna end up doing a significant number of renovations. Uh, the trade deficit uh, is now the highest it's been since two thousand eight. That's going to put a crimp into GDP forecasts. And let me go back and let me sort of close this segment of the show on that particular point. Um, if you look at the GDP, the, the quarter three GDP numbers, um, and this is, by the way, the last number that we reported before the presidential elections, the last number before Labor Day you'll get, you're going to get, you're going to get the GDP report on the week before the election. I think it'll be on the Thursday, which would be the 29th perhaps even on Friday the 30th. I, I don't think I remember which date it is, but one of those two days. So it's within a week of the election, you're going to get a number. 
New York Fed currently forecasts 15.6%. They're now cast as there. The Atlanta Fed was at 29.6%, but that was before the jobs report. So they may be doing a revision to take that to a higher figure. I think they will, because I don't think their forecast for, for employment was probably as high as the number that got printed. Merrill is at 25%, quarter three growth. Again, that's not going to take you all the way back, but that's going to take you more than halfway back to where you were before. All right? Down 5%, down 31%, so you're off by a third. Now you're going to come back by a quarter. That still leaves you 6 or 7% below where you were to start with. And quarter four GDP numbers look like they're going to come in at about 4 to 5%. We're not going to be all the way back by the end of 2020. But we'll be in the neighborhood if it continues to grow at the rate it seems to be growing right now. There's still a month to go. We still have September to look at, and there's all kinds of things that could, that could happen in this month. But as you head into the Labor Day weekend and you see the amount of people who are being active, the fact that uh, governors are coming out saying, now don't go out and party too much, you be careful. We sent out messages to our students uh, yesterday, you know. All right, it's three-day weekend. Lay low. Try to try to not do a whole lot. We'll be back with you here on Tuesday. Um, that is, um, that's, there's a lot of that advising going out there. You wouldn't see those messages quite so much, I think, unless you had reason to believe that people are feeling like the economy's doing pretty well and people are going to want to kind of go out a little bit more than they had before. And I suspect there's going to be a fair amount of that. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. It's Jobs Saturday on The King Banyan Show. Here on Business 1440. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. We were going to write something flashy about streaming us at Radio.com. But considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to Business 1440 at Radio.com. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and -and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-482-8399. 800-482-8399. That's 800-482-8399. Hi, PJ here from PJ's Appliance Outlet. Are you in need of a new washer and dryer, a new stove, dishwasher, or refrigerator? Do you prefer top brands like LG, Frigidaire, Whirlpool? Are you dragging your feet due to the cost and feeling like more often than not you'd be overpaying for these appliances? Well, here at PJ's, we've solved that problem for you. Our clients, many of whom are listeners to this station as well, have already saved hundreds sometimes thousands of dollars by shopping at PJ's Appliance Outlet. Our everyday standard pricing is 40 to 70% less than the average appliance store. We're not talking the inflated MSRP pricing. We're talking real everyday pricing. So before you purchase an appliance, it's well worth a quick visit to our store to see what we have in stock and how much money we can save you. At PJ's, we probably offer basic and extended warranty options along with professional appliance delivery and removal services. Go to PJsApplianceoutlet.com. That's PJsApplianceoutlet.com, where every deal is a steal. How do you define strength? Is it physical? Or is it mental? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. 
This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Get a $3,900 Konica Minolta copier for your business for just $19.50 through this special offer from Tops and this station. There's only one half-price copier. Go to the station's website, click on the More tab, then Half-Price Offers, or call the station now. Ladies and gentlemen, the golden age of rock and roll. Welcome back, King Daniel Show. This is fourteen forty. Wow. Well, whatever this uh, best of uh, bumper tracks is, uh, we need to save this one. Good stuff. Thanks, White. Um, appreciate it. Good comments from uh, folks in the Twitter. Uh, Ken and Champlin and I have been having a conversation about the Surly Beer Hall uh, closing, which is kind of a, a sad thing. Uh, I, I I agree. Um, the uh, Minnesota Hospitality Association saying that 40% of Minnesota hospitality business at risk of closing by the end of the year if things don't change. Well, two two comments to that. One which I did put in a a response to Ken was, well, it's a risky business. How many of them, if we went back a year ago, how many many hospitality association people thought they, they were within four months of closing back in August of 2019? My guess is 15 to 20 percent. There's probably some background level there that's that's significant because it's just a risky business um, at any rate. And then um, and then the other the other point I'd make is is restaurants, restaurants that thrive by having really dense uh, floor space are going to get hammered. And there and as uh, as the owner uh, said in the uh, Strib article about this. Beer halls are just almost like the antithesis of what of the kind of business you'd want to be in for COVID. They're dense, they're loud, people and people are talking loudly and and being happy and probably breathing a lot. And breathing is good. But you probably breathe a little more and uh and talk a little more and get a little more exhaling into the air in a beer hall. So I think there's going to be lots of there's going to be there's going to be restaurants where you're going to have less density and it'll be reflected in the prices of those restaurants. And that a sit down meal is going to end up being more of a luxury good than it is now. And for and for a lot of us, the option will be takeout food or delivery. And as you've probably discovered, uh, as I've discovered. And as many restaurateurs have, restaurateurs have, have discovered, there are dishes that are great for them to fix and serve in a restaurant that simply will not go in the DoorDash bag. There is no way to deliver that product in a way that tastes good 20 minutes after it's been driven halfway across town in a car. Or be it your car or a gig worker's car. So types of dishes you're going to get even are going to change. That's not abnormal. Also noted to me, and I, I'm pretty sure I know, I know who this fellow is. Um, uh, 1099 contract workers. Uh, so in other words, gig workers who had W2 income in 2019, um, don't get the, uh, PUA, get the pandemic unemployment assistance. True. Um, which I always thought was a weird thing for them to do, but I'm not sure. That's what happens when you write you write uh, legislation super fast, just like the $600 payments uh, overwhelmed uh, the amount of unemployment insurance that people get in some states. It's not $600 isn't that big a deal in New York City, but um, in uh, Decorah, Iowa, $600 goes a long way. And uh, if you give someone $600 a week extra there, chances are they're not all that eager to go back to work. Yep, that happened. And the same thing would be true. And so, but they they didn't know how to fix it in the time that they needed to get the bill written. So they, they, made, they did something, and I think they knew what they were doing, 
but the importance of getting a bill out was was greater. I think the same thing happened with the 1099 contractors. Uh, they needed a way to screen 1099 people who depended on that as their primary income versus those who were moonlighting on the side. And the way they did that was to say, well, if you got a W-2, you don't get the money. Um, and that's a that's a good point. And I, uh, I, I and I hadn't I hadn't talked about that before in the show. So keep it coming here on Twitter. Good job, everybody. Uh, you're 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 hanging in there on using pound KBRS on the show. Let's get to talking about Jay Powell, shall we? I am. Uh, we were going to do this uh, last week, and uh, we weren't able to do this uh, then. The Fed changed from saying. T- changed the way it was doing business. This was a speech given virtually uh, from wherever Bunker J. Powell is hiding. Um, he gave this talk to, uh, to at Jackson Hole, which, as you know, for me is sort of like one of two places I've always wanted to go to. I want to do the Kansas City Fed Conference at Jackson Hole. The Kansas City Federal Reserve puts this conference on every year. They did it virtually this year. I want to go to that, and I want to go to Buffett Palooza. I want to go to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. Okay, this is fourteen forty. You can make this happen for me. Give me a press, give me a press pass, and uh, give me a press pass and a way to connect from there, and I will broadcast live. You don't even have to buy my plane ticket or my hotel room. I'll do that myself. That's all it's going to take. Let's see if management's listening to me. I should get an I should get an email from them. Like, so when would that be? Well, we missed them for this year, but uh, next summer, I want I want to do this. So, the the Federal Reserve has been studying for some time their operating uh, rules of how their and their strategy for monetary policy. The reason they have been doing that is to say, um, to say, over the last several years. They've stated that their goals are high unemployment and stable inflation, with stable inflation being inflation of uh, a goal of around 2%. Now, they said stable inflation for a long time without setting 2% as the number. Back in about toward the end of, of Ben Bernanke's term, they actually said the words 2% and, and have said this to be true. As my listeners will no doubt understand, the 2% number has not been achieved in quite some time. The number has been below 2%. And the concern has always been that the Federal Reserve, if it got close to 2%, would start to hit the brakes and would start to do so by raising the Fed funds rate target and by restrict and finding other ways to reduce the amount of credit in the financial system. Even though they had not reached 2% inflation, the fact that they had had the unemployment rate, which is the other target that they looked at, and they just said they wanted a low unemployment rate. They didn't specify a partic- They didn't say they were specifying a particular number. But what they had done was to forecast for you a long-term unemployment rate that in the long run, in the, when the economy was in equilibrium, this would be the unemployment rate. And in the long run, what would be the inflation rate? Well, the inflation, the long-run inflation forecast always stayed at 2%. They always said, we're going to have 2% inflation. And if you look at the dot plot, the, the statement of economic projections that the Fed gives, and you look at them over the last 10 years, that number is almost like Polaris. They, it's, the, it, it's the North Star of, of monetary policy. We're aiming... In the long run, our inflation rate will be 2%. As, as my father would sometimes say, come hell, high water, or little green people. Right? It'll always be 2%. Now, it hasn't been 2% for a long time. And this is the system they, they, and this they had. So, in 2018, the Fed and Powell announced, I think at one of the FOMC press conferences after a meeting, we're going to start studying this. We, we understand that we've not hit 2%. We're going to start studying this. And we understand as well that it's seen as if 
we are aiming to get never higher than 2%, but that we're comfortable with it being below 2%, as long as it's kind of close, that we're kind of comfortable in that 2% range. Um, and so v- that's the background for when Jay Powell talks about this. And what I'm going to do in these last two segments of the King Banyan Show today is to play for you pit and comment on bits of the speech that was given at Jackson Hole. This was done on August 27th, so this is about this is about uh, 10 days old now, 9 days old. But I want you to hear some of this talk, and we'll do that right after these messages here on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-500-5588. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-500-5588. 800-500-5588. That's 800-500-5588. Community Tax. Who's your tax guy? George Floyd's death sparked national outrage and propelled the country to confront issues of race and justice head-on. But between partisan politics and various types of protests that have dominated the news ever since, the real questions remain. Are we tackling the issue of race in America honestly? Are we correct to believe the narrative that one's skin color should play a larger role in the content of one's character? These types of questions are here to stay, and they demand fair and truthful responses for a better future together. Larry Elder here, and I will be hosting an exclusive live stream event to address these and other important national questions. The event is called Unbiased, Unvarnished Truth Behind Race in America. Joining me will be author and commentator Candace Owens. Join us September 17th at 8 p.m. for this important discussion at a pivotal time in our nation. Find tickets and details at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Unbiased is brought to you by Roof to Deck Decoration, the Christmas lighting people. I'm on my third child and also on my third vehicle at Invergrove Hyundai. I'm Christelle from Mendota Heights. Did my research on high-rated vehicle, good value, and that brought me right to Hyundai. So now I'm on my third and also my third child, uh, which brought up the need to upgrade the vehicle again. So now I'm in a Santa Fe, and Hyundai brings a lot of features to the table for not a lot of money. And considering I'm taking my kids in the vehicle, it's also a really highly rated vehicle as far as safety. So Invergrove Hyundai was able to work out just a great deal. The staff and the salespeople really did uh, close the deal for me because everyone has been just a joy to deal with. Through September 8th, get 0% financing for up to 72 months, plus no payments for 90 days on Tucson and Santa Fe. Every new Hyundai comes with America's best warranty, 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain, and Hyundai Assurance. Stop into Invergrove Hyundai or shop online at InvergroveHyundai.com. Now, back to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. So that music is just about the time I started in economics. And I remember, um, actually, uh, have I told this story? Yeah, Arthur Burns, uh, who was chair of the Federal Reserve back in the 70s, actually spoke spoke at uh, my college. I went went to college at St. Anselm up in New Hampshire. And I... um, and I remember having Arthur Burns come speak there and and being uh, at, at the time he was they were talking about him as being like a fringe presidential candidate. So, of course, he had to go give a talk in New Hampshire. Uh, 
I can tell you, even as someone that was already an economics major, wow, not interesting. So he never went anywhere. Very, very fine economist, but certainly no, certainly no uh, real candidate for politics. And after Burns came a couple of bad, uh, bad chairs, uh, um, uh, particularly Chair Miller, who I think, I think probably should go down as the worst, the worst uh, Federal Reserve chair ever. Um, and I know some of you have more recent memories and may want to put Yellen in that camp, or maybe some people want to throw Powell into that. If you haven't experienced Miller and you haven't read a history of the Fed, I would say go go read some. Um, there there are several good ones out there. If you need any, uh, write to me uh, uh, write to me through the radio station. I'd be happy to give you a uh, a bibliography. Um, I probably own most of the books that that I'll send you, um, but. Right after that, 1979 came, and this was the year I graduated from college in 79. Um, after, right after that came um, came uh, um, Paul Volcker, and Paul Volcker gets name checked early on in the in the um, Powell speech at Jackson Hole two Thursdays ago, um, because he's the person who starts it. So I'm going to start playing these clips, and they're going to come pretty quickly. Uh, I'm not going to talk a whole lot between them, but I want to make sure I get because I want to make sure I get through all of these. But I'll give you a little explanation after each one. So this is Jay Powell talking about the problem that Paul Volcker faced. Cut one, please. But years ago, the biggest problem our economy faced was high inflation. The great inflation demanded a clear focus on restoring the credibility of the FOMC's commitment to price stability. Chair Paul Volcker brought that focus to bear. And the Volcker disinflation, with the continuing stewardship of Alan Greenspan, led to the stabilization of inflation and inflation expectations in the 1990s at around 2%. That period is referred to by many folks as the Great Moderation. And it characterized pretty much all of the 1980s and into the 90s. We, of course, experienced a, a stock market collapse in 87. We experienced a mild recession in 1990. But throughout that period, inflation expectations continued to fall um, and, and, and started to kind of change the way we thought about monetary policy. Let's play part two. Before the Great Moderation, expansions typically ended in overheating and rising inflation. Since then, prior to the current pandemic-induced downturn, a series of historically long expansions had been more likely to end with episodes of financial instability, prompting essential efforts to substantially increase the strength and resilience of the financial system. By the early 2000s, many central banks around the world had adopted a monetary policy framework known as inflation targeting. Although the precise features of inflation targeting differed from country to country, the core framework always articulated an inflation goal, the primary objective of monetary policy. Now, there's two things about that statement that are interesting. One, he never reflects on the fact that, that as the chair of a central bank, the fact that, that expansions were likely to end with episodes of financial instability never comes up again in the entire speech. If I ran a central bank, I'd be asking myself, I wonder if I had anything to do with that. But there's almost nothing in this speech that really says that they reflected on that particular point. Second of all, um, second of all, he, he articulate he says at the very end, the core framework always articulated an inflation goal as a primary objective monetary policy. This slides past a very important piece, which is whether or not it's the sole goal or one of two goals. Indeed, he kind of says this again, the very short part three. Go ahead and play that, Wyatt. Inflation targeting central banks generally do not focus solely on inflation. Those with flexible inflation targets take into account economic stabilization in addition to their inflation objective. Now, that's not, ex that's not completely exactly right. Because there were central banks that simply said, we are going to have the sole target for monetary policy to be an inflation rate. And almost all of them ended up choosing 2% as their number. 
And and I've had this conversation. You could go back and dig through the archives of this show at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. I've talked about why 2% and not zero. Um, and I don't there, I've got six more clips to play, so I don't have time to do the, to do it here. But I want you to, but I want you, wanted to make sure you have this point. Some central banks choose an inflation target slowly, solely. Others have a dual mandate, and the United States has a dual mandate in the Federal, for the Federal Reserve. Actually, it has a three has three mandates: uh, un, high employment, price stability, and low long term interest rates. They kind of never say that, but that, that's actually in there. Uh, it, it, and I would say, I would say that uh, they've, not, they've not quite that, gotten that part right here, but no one, it's unusual to call that flexible inflation targeting. It's not flexible inflation targeting. The Fed has always been willing to trade at the margins between inflation and unemployment. It is always argued that, 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 that it's willing to do that. Um, let me go ahead. So he goes ahead and says, why did we go ahead and review this? Why did we choose to review this? And the first thing he says is, um, I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, first thing he says is, assessments of potential or longer-run growth of the economy have declined. The long-run economic growth rate. This was a 3% growth economy, now it's a 2% growth economy. So the first statement, he's, the Fed is buying into the new normal. Not going to play that clip because I'm not playing. I didn't cut that piece because it's, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. So you've bought into that. I don't necessarily buy that, but it's not the Fed's job to decide how fast the economy grows. We believe, most of us, most economists believe that fiscal policy and productivity are driven by things independent of monetary policy. The second piece, though, is very important, so I want you to play cut four, please, Wyatt. Second, the general level of interest rates has fallen both here in the United States and around the world. Estimates of the neutral federal funds rate, which is the rate consistent with the economy operating at full strength and with stable inflation, fallen substantially, in large part reflecting a fall in the equilibrium real interest rate, or R-star. This rate is not affected by monetary policy, but is instead driven by fundamental factors in the economy, including demographics and productivity growth, the same factors that drive potential economic growth. The median estimate from FOMC participants of the neutral funds rate has fallen by nearly half since early 2012, from 4.25% to 2.5%. This decline in assessment of the neutral federal funds rate has profound implications for monetary policy. With interest rates generally running closer to their effective lower bound, even in good times, the Fed has less scope to support the economy during an economic downturn by simply cutting the federal funds rate. So notice what he says here. What he's saying is we normally cut the Fed funds rate by about 350 to 400 basis points during a recession. We're now going to hit the zero bound before we can do that. And indeed, they're at the zero boundary now. And they hit the zero boundary during the last recession. So what he's arguing is, I absolutely, we needed a new policy because the tool that was that we used to fulfill this strategy can no longer operate the way we had before. Because of a combination of the fact that the growth of the economy had fallen and therefore the the Fed funds rate that's appropriate when the economy is at full employment is a lot lower than it was before. It only have to put it at two and a half percent rather than at four percent. Well if I'm at two and a half percent I can't cut my three fifty to four hundred basis points anymore. I can only cut two fifty and I'm not gonna be able to bring the economy back to full employment by myself. Well one might argue, hello, there's also fiscal policy, but set that aside. He also notes in number three, in number, his third and fourth points of why they went through this change, the long run, the long run, the record long expansion that ended earlier this year led to the best labor market we had seen in some times. In other words, they really liked having the unemployment rate below 4%. They thought the economy was running, running well. And he all and and he points out that 
they observed that when the economy was running at less than 4% unemployment, it actually helped improve and bring onto the books people who are working in uh, people of color, of people with lower education levels. In other words, blue-collar jobs, more traditional economy jobs, were disproportionately assisted by having the economy run with a lower unemployment rate. And then they discover, of course, that the labor market, that when it ran that way, they didn't end up with a higher inflation rate. Um, so indeed, he says, he says, look, the Phillips curve, and he actually says this, I didn't, I didn't record this because I didn't need, need this conversation. The muted response of the labor market tightness, which we refer to as the flattening of the Phillips curve, also contributed low inflation outcomes. And so, um, you know what, let's take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to finish this up. I still got five cuts to get through in the last, in the last few minutes of this. So we'll be right back after this, the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex I'm Staff Keeley. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member. And of I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Did you know the Business 1440 app can do more than just stream your favorite shows? Here is cool feature number one. You can set an alarm on the app that will automatically start streaming us at whatever time you decide. It's easy. Just open the menu in the upper left-hand corner, select alarm, and choose a time. You can set it to wake you up in the morning with Bill Gunderson or any of your favorite programs. Download the free Business 1440 mobile app today. Get a $1,540 water heater installed for just $770 through this special offer from Champion Plumbing in this station. There's only one half-price water heater. Go to this station's website, click on the More tab, and half-price offers, or call the station now. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to Business 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. We're talking about the change in monetary policy that happened under uh, Jay Powell in a speech given to uh, participants in the Jackson Hole Conference from the Kansas City Fed last week. So he set this all up, said, here's why I'm doing this, and we've explained their reasons. And so he's now going to tell you what he's going to do, and then he said he wants to set the table, so he does this. Let's play cut six, please. Before addressing the key changes in our statement, let me highlight some errors 
areas of continuity. <clears throat> we continue to believe that specifying a numerical goal for employment is unwise because the maximum level of employment is not directly measurable and changes over time, reasons unrelated to monetary policy. The significant shifts in estimates of the natural rate of unemployment over the past decade reinforce this point. In addition, we have not changed our view that a longer-run inflation rate of 2% is most consistent with our mandate to pro promote both maximum employment and price stability. Finally, we continue to believe that monetary policy must be forward-looking, taking into account the expectations of households and businesses and the lags in monetary policy's effect on the economy. So, so we're not changing the end results, 2% inflation, high employment, but we're going to change how we talk about them. And so he's describing these changes, and he's actually, I'm going to play you a cut where he actually does talk about the Phillips curve here, so I can, I can hear a couple brains explode. I'm looking at you, Jack. Um, and let's play cut seven, please. Our revised statement says that our policy decision will be informed by our assessments of the shortfalls of employment from its maximum level rather than by deviations from its maximum level, as in our previous statement. This change may be subtle, but it reflects our view that a robust job market can be sustained without causing an outbreak of inflation. In earlier decades, when the Phillips curve was steeper, inflation tended to rise noticeably in response to a strengthening labor market. It was sometimes appropriate for that to tighten monetary policy as employment rose toward its estimated maximum level in order to stave off an unwelcome rise in inflation. The change to shortfalls clarifies that going forward, employment can run at or real time estimates of its maximum level without causing concern, unless accompanied by signs of unwanted increases in inflation or the emergence of other risks that could impede the attainment of our goals. So to, to, to reiterate what he's saying, they are no longer got in their head a, an a maximum unemployment rate. If we go past that long-run unemployment rate that they think is consistent with where the economy will go, which right now is still in the area of 4%, they would, they would not raise interest rates in response to that. And they said before we would almost automatically, but now we won't, which means they're willing to let the economy perhaps – Perhaps it would overheat in that situation, but they're willing to do that. That's why they say they'll react to shortfalls, but if they go over the top, they're not, they're not uh, necessarily um, uh, willing to change that. On the inflation side, they make this statement. Cut eight, please. Our statement emphasizes that our actions to achieve both sides of our dual mandate will be most effective if longer-term inflation expectations remain well anchored at 2%. However... If inflation runs below 2% following economic downturns, but never moves above 2% even when the economy is strong, then, over time, inflation will average less than 2%. Households and businesses will come to expect this result, meaning that inflation expectations would tend to move below our inflation goal and pull realized inflation down. To prevent this outcome and the adverse dynamics that could ensue, our new statement indicates that we will seek to achieve inflation that averages 2% over time. Therefore, following periods when inflation has running below 2%, appropriate monetary policy will likely aim to achieve inflation moderately above 2% for some time. So there's two things to that. First of all, the, the likely part, which is kind of a bit of a dodge. In fact, just go ahead and play cut nine right now to sort of, sort of tell you why he used the word likely. In seeking to achieve inflation at average percent over time, we are not tying ourselves to a particular mathematical formula that defines the average. Thus, our approach, approach could be viewed as a flexible form of average inflation targeting. Our decisions about appropriate monetary policy will continue to reflect a broad array of considerations and will not be dictated by any formula. So they're not giving up their discretion. But what they're what they're saying is they're going to they're going to allow inflation to run above two percent. They say, here's the here's the key point that many people have made. 
They've been able to get it. Uh, they haven't been able to get it up to two percent. What is the value of now saying we're going to let it run above two percent? Run above two percent. We've not had two percent inflation in a decade. Not as currently measured by the by the preferred methods that the the Fed uses. Now, of course, if you decide to include, include asset prices or gold or in precious metals. You could certainly find a way to say that uh, there are periods where inflation's been above 2%. But if you're only going to look at personal consumption expenditures, excluding food and energy, um, and have these various corrections for how you measure the prices of health care, the prices of, of owner-occupied housing, and so forth, if, that's, you're, if you're going to do that, yeah. You haven't hit 2% in a long time, so why would you now? But is there any evidence of why 2% inflation would be, you know, do we have anything to say that 2% inflation is going to be happening for a while? I think the, the thing to pay attention to, if this is actually true, here's what you should look for next. In the dot plot, in the statement of economic projections that I referenced before, They would always go to 2% inflation, but it would always go up from below, and they never would have the projections with a forecast saying sometime in the next two years I expect inflation to be above 2%. They expect that they're going to be able to do that now. And their hope is that that reflection will get you to believe that interest rates are going to stay lower for longer than it did before. The question really is, will you believe them? And if so, why will you believe them when they haven't been able to produce 2% inflation in a decade? Why would you think, oh, well, they expect it to be higher now, so that's really going to work? That's basically what happened, happened at Jackson Hole, and all of the other discussions seem to surround that. I have no idea if it's going to work. <laughs> in fact, I'm rather skeptical whether it's going to work. What I do know is we're out of time for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. I want to wish you a very happy Labor Day. Thank you, Wyatt, for your for your work as well. We'll talk to you again next week on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. The institutions use the markets to create income and get better returns for their investors. They are consistent year after year using tools that most people know nothing about. Learn the skills to invest and trade with the institutions at a free investing class in our local Twin City Center or virtually at 952-814-4410. Discover the tools the institutions use daily at Online Trading Academy, 952-814-4410, or go to learnwithota.com. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender. Which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. An advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park, Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And get 
guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-218-9520-800-218-9520-800-218-9520. That's 800-218-9520. Let's face it, life can get busy. Between work, trips to the cabin on the weekends, keeping your eye on the markets, with everything going on, convenience usually comes at a premium. But Business 1440 is here to make things a bit easier. With the iHeartRadio app, you can stream your favorite shows anytime, anywhere, and it's free. Download iHeartRadio from the App Store or listen online at iHeartRadio.com and stay connected with your best financial partner wherever you go. Business 1440. 